Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 262, recorded on October 12th, 2022. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week with the release of Plasma 5.26, which has benefited from a significant focus on stability. Yeah, stability, and there is also a lot new in this release. Add-ons or plasmoids, widgets, whatever you call them. They got a lot of work in this release, from some totally new ones to just improving long-standing ones like the calendar and the clock. And something that jumped out at me that I think a lot of you are going to like, because I know it's one of your favorites, Kate and Kwrite have now been spruced up with a fancy new welcome window that launches if you start the application without any files open. Well, we always like to see some bug fixing in these releases, and 5.26 is no slouch in that category. System settings no longer sometimes crashes when you navigate away from the Thunderbolt page. In the Plasma X11 session in particular, if KWIN happens to crash and gets auto-restarted, or you manually restart it, it no longer loses its mappings of windows to activities, which is a big pain to fix. The team also fixed an issue that could occasionally cause apps like VLC and Firefox to stop refreshing after being used for a little while, plus a whole lot more that we'll have linked in the show notes. And it might surprise some of you, but there are folks out there that actually have Plasma hooked up to their TV. It can be pretty handy as a media home and a server all-in-one kind of setup. And they've put some serious work in this release for their big screen experience with two new apps landing. Aurora, which is a web browser designed for the big screen, and Plank, an easy-to-use media player, you guessed it, for the big screen. (laughs) I've upgraded my neon station that I'm sitting at right now to do the show, and just like so many of these latter 5 series Plasma releases, the upgrade went super smooth. I kept all of my settings. It was really no big deal at all. In fact, if, if I hadn't intentionally gone to do the update and seen all the packages upgrade... I might not even know I was on the new version. When you go looking for things, you can find it. But the neon betas have just been really smooth for me recently. And uh, I have a sense that when Plasma 526 lands in distributions out there in the Linux world, people are really going to like this release. Well, you better keep that apt update handy over there, Chris. Or uh, really PKCon, I suppose. Either way, work is beginning right now on Plasma 527 which the project says will be the final feature release in the Plasma 5 series. Less than just two weeks after Google announced plans to shut down Stadia, its cloud gaming platform, Google has announced plans for Chromebooks built for cloud gaming platforms. Well, for as much sense as that makes, Google says the Acer Chromebook 516 GE the Asus Chromebook Vive CX55 Flip and Lenovo's IdeaPad Gaming Chromebook all have refresh rates of at least 120 hertz, displays with up to 1600p resolution, and Wi-Fi 6. These units, what we used to call laptops, are now called Chromebooks, and they don't really have any dedicated graphics cards in them per se. And they don't really seem to be related to the recent efforts we reported on to get Steam working locally on Chromebooks. Instead, these units are equipped with modern Intel GPUs, so you could play some light gaming. 
But clearly, the focus is on cloud gaming. They even emphasize Wi-Fi 6 and quadphonic speakers for cloud gaming. It's just someone else's cloud gaming. But some of these might make a great little Linux machine. That Lenovo IdeaPad in particular, well, it starts under 600 bucks. It has a 16-inch, 120-hertz display, a 12th-gen Intel CPU, 512 gigs of SSD-backed storage, 11 hours of battery life, at least under Chrome OS, and it's only four pounds. So, you know, if the community could find a quick way to wipe off Chrome OS and load a nice shiny Linux distribution, it might just be a cheap way to snap up a pretty nice rig. Well, speaking of mostly acceptable gaming performance, the Intel Arc A770 and the A750 have gone on actual official sale in various global markets this week, with price points starting around 289 U.S. greenbacks. Ganeer and Azrock have also announced their takes on the Arc graphics cards, though sadly they're entirely out of stock as we record. Linux users in particular are pretty excited about this release because the driver for this discrete GPU is built off Intel's existing open-source integrated graphics driver stack. And as we've been reporting over the recent years, well, there's been a lot of refactoring there to introduce the concept of discrete video memory and other features that you really only have to think about with a discrete GPU. Yeah, and... Intel has been slowly but steadily building out the support at Linux for this. And I love seeing that. A free software driver stack for the video is just massive for Linux. But they're competing on price here, too. A lower-end RTX 4070 is still a couple hundred dollars more than the starting Intel Arc GPU. And I can know, I know, <laughs> I know. I can already hear you guys saying, yeah, they're not really comparable the RTX is still going to be a better gaming card and that kind of stuff. And I think you're probably right. And it's going to be a little bit probably till they're totally equivalent in that arena. But when it comes to just workstation day-to-day desktop use and experience, I bet they are a little bit more equivalent. And the benchmarks are starting to show that out. Of course, our buddy Michael Lyrable over at Pharonix has been watching this story closely. But I, as a longtime Linux user, I find this really compelling to have another open source driver stack option for a Linux GPU. This is something we'll keep an eye on and report back any interesting details that develop. This week, Canonical launched a free tier of their Ubuntu Pro commercial offering. Ubuntu Pro is a subscription security maintenance and compliance program initially designed for enterprise customers who want long-term stability for their infrastructure and applications. Ubuntu Pro is somewhat ideal for that use case since the more you pay, seemingly the less you need to upgrade. Now, however, Canonical decided to expand Ubuntu Pro for personal and small-scale commercial use with a free tier for up to five machines. And as Mark Shuttleworth points out, This program doesn't impose the restrictions on types of users that other enterprise distribution providers do. All of these programs cover the full distribution for up to 10 years um, with the option to extend beyond that for industrial use cases. And I'm very pleased to say that we are making all of that available free of charge to anybody 
with a personal subscription. It's not a student edition. It's not a developer-only edition. It is full commercial use for you and any business you own on up to five machines. Linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. It's just a great way to support the show while checking out something awesome. Linode is fast, reliable cloud hosting with the best support in the business, real humans all day, every day. It's one of the reasons why Linode's how we run everything that we've built in the last few years. And like us, Linode loves Linux. I think that's, you guys know me, it was kind of like one of the top reasons. I first discovered Linode at a Linux fest, and I could tell they were one of the few vendors actually in it <laughs> because they were geeking out about Linux. Some of the other vendors were not taking it very seriously. And, you know, I was just looking at their calendar, chatting with my buds over at Linode, and they've got a lot coming up in the fall. They're going to be at a bunch of different events. I'll put a link in the show notes so that way if you're going to be at one of these, you can say hi. Like uh, HashiConf in Los Angeles coming up right now. Actually, just finished. So scratch that one. Sastock, though, that's coming up. KubeCon, CompTIA, EMA, that's coming up at the end of the month. Web Summit next month. IT Nation Connect also coming up. The Caribbean Developers Conference. How do I get it on that one? I want to go to the Caribbean. That sounds great. I mean, they're all over the place. They're always trying to engage and interact with the community. That's why they supported our road trip events, because they get that it, Linux, it's, it's made by the community. It's, it's worth investing in that layer. And then you build out a really great business on top of that technology platform that the community builds for you. They've always gotten that concept. And so that's why they've invested in these areas and areas like support and making the UI really work. And of course, performance so fast. They've got 11 data centers to choose from. They're adding a dozen, over a dozen next year as well. They are their own ISP on top of all of that. And they really have no reason to not work with any kind of configuration management tool that you want. Chef, Puppet, Ansible, whatever it is, the Terraforms. Yeah, you got that. They have no reason not to. They want to be your alternative cloud if that's what you need. They want to be your primary cloud if that's what you need. They want to just run whatever simple application you might need. They try to do all of it, and they try to do it better than anybody else, and I think they nail it. And that's truly what keeps me as a customer and why I keep building over there. It's nice to know that support's available if you ever need it. So if you go get that $100 at linode.com slash LAN, you can really try this stuff. You can see the actual pricing. And really get a sense of how it works. And I think once you start to do that, you'll start to see the competitive advantages for yourself. So go build something, go learn something, go try something while you support the show. Just go to linode.com slash land. Get that $100 for the best place on the internet to run your applications. I mean the best place to host your services, your applications, and to get a full Linux box. Linode.com slash LAN. And a big thank you to my friends over at Collide, collide.com slash LAN. Collide is an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT, the end users. When you're trying to achieve security, maybe it's something you've set for yourself as a goal. Maybe it's a third-party audit. Maybe you have a new boss in town. There's been so many ways that companies, businesses, organizations, schools, what, what have you, have tried this. I've seen a lot of it over the years. Conventional wisdom was just to treat every device like it's Fort Knox. You just go all in on like just this really old school draconian device management. MDMs that force disruptive agents onto employees' devices, slow down performance, and they often treat privacy as an afterthought. 
that was just an awful way of doing things because it it makes a bad experience for the end user, which kind of pits them against IT and does not create the best atmosphere, sort of makes them enemies. And it also creates its own security problems. It often also results in sort of a shadow IT structure just so the employees can, quote, do their jobs. Clyde does things differently. Instead of forcing changes on users, Clyde sends them security recommendations via Slack. Clyde will automatically notify your team when their devices are insecure, and it'll give them step-by-step instructions on how to solve the problem. And by reaching out to employees just with a friendly Slack DM and educating them about company policies, Clyde can help you build a culture for which everyone is contributing to security because, well, everyone understands how and why to do it. For IT admins, Clyde provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet. It supports Mac, Windows, and, of course, Linux desktops. So you can see at a glance which employees have their disks encrypted, their OS up to date, and a password manager installed, making it easy to prove compliance to your auditors, customers, and leadership. So that's Collide, user-centered cross-platform endpoint security for teams that Slack. You can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. Just visit collide.com slash LAN to find out how. When you go there and you sign up for a free trial, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag, a real goodie bag with a free t-shirt inside. I do love me a free t-shirt. That's just for activating a free trial and checking it out. So it's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash LAN. Collide.com slash LAN. We wanted to wrap things up this week with a little heads up. Molvad VPN has discovered that Android leaks traffic every time the device connects to a Wi-Fi network, even if the block connections without VPN or always-on VPN features are enabled. The data that makes it outside your VPN tunnels includes source IP addresses, DNS lookups, HTTPS traffic, and likely also some NTP traffic. Hmm, yeah. Android does things like check for a captive portal every time you connect to a new Wi-Fi AP. It tries to determine if the user needs help to get fully connected. This is by design. Android was built this way. It is a choice by Google just to make things easier for users. But I think anyone really familiar with networking already knows this. You're going to inevitably reveal details about yourself and your machine if you go out and probe the state of the network and try to find the edge devices. And to make this worse, I think most developers and users probably had the wrong idea about what block connections without VPN exactly meant here, especially compounded by poor Android documentation that inaccurately describes the feature. Yeah, that's where you could almost fry some conspiracy bacon with this story. The, the, the wording around the feature in the Android OS sort of implies that everything gets blocked if a VPN is turned on. It only goes through that tunnel. And um, I've experienced this setting by accident when I first installed Tailscale, and I had it set to tunnel everything through VPN, and that's not how Tailscale works. And so nothing worked, at least that I knew of. I didn't realize it was leaking information at the time. But then we're like, you could see someone getting conspiratorial here is you go read the documentation for Android developers and they also really make it sound like nothing gets out. And maybe the people writing the documentation just didn't understand the nuances of what was happening there. Maybe it's a right hand not talking to the left hand kind of thing. 
I mean, as an example, you can take Graphene OS. There's an option in there where the user can toggle that check. If they toggle it so the check doesn't happen, the researchers did not observe Graphene OS leaking this information. That simple setting that Graphene OS exposes that gives the user control seems to fix this issue. Molvad just simply discovered this because they were conducting their own audit of their own apps, trying to figure out why it seemed like their app was leaking information when it was on the network. And it turned out it wasn't an issue with the Molvad VPN at all. It was an issue with Android. Now, of course, the core privacy concern here is that that connection check traffic, well, it can be observed and analyzed both by the party controlling the connectivity check server, but also anyone else on the network path between. And even if the content of the message itself doesn't reveal anything more than some Android devices connecting to this network, the metadata, which includes the source IP address, well, that can be used to derive further information, especially if you combine that with other data, such as Wi-Fi access point locations. Unfortunately, it seems iOS users, well, they're in the same boat, if not a boat that's a little bit more leaky. A security researcher back in August found a significant flaw in iOS VPN apps, and a second researcher has now demonstrated another major issue. Details in the show notes for that one. Yeah, a bit more leaky indeed. Some of that second research shows that a lot of Apple's core apps, they just bypass your VPN if things aren't working right because they want to talk to the home server. They don't care. So you're leaking even more metadata in those circumstances. That's definitely worth reading. You know, the situation here is sort of unfixable by the VPN vendors. There's nothing Molvad can do to solve this problem. It's a limitation of how these OSs are built at least the stock OSs, which is what most users are going to use. Molvad has submitted their suggestions to revise the documentation around the block connections feature, just to make it more clear what data is still being sent outside the VPN, at least. Yeah, they have a pretty nice write-up, which we'll have linked in the docs. And in that, they end on a pretty simple recommendation. Quote, As a closing note, we would like to recommend Google adopt the ability to disable connectivity checks, like on Graphene OS, into stock Android. Yeah, from uh, their fingers to Google's ears, I guess, it just seems like a relatively easy solution. If they wanted to, they could even just probably get the code from Graphene OS, and if they wanted to impress us with their development prowess, they could create it from scratch. I'd be happy with either one. Just add a user-controlled option to let us check for captive portals or not. Just let us have control over that setting. I have to say, if you have a Pixel, Graphene OS has just really exceeded all my expectations. I have kind of ended up using it in a somewhat compromised way because I do have the Play API and the Play Store on there, but Graphene OS allows you to use them in a sandboxed way. It's extremely clever and very effective. Now, the mainstream commercial operating systems, they're always likely to err on the side of convenience over privacy. You kind of have to pick one. And I think if you'd prefer things to bend a bit more towards the privacy side, and you can get your hands on some Pixel hardware, I have to highly recommend giving Graphene OS a try. It might just exceed your expectations too. But if the situation with the commercial OSs ever improves, well, of course, we'll let you know. So for that and everything else happening in the world, of Linux and open source. 
Go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get new episodes. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact to let us know your source IP address so we don't have to rely on the leaks. <laughs> if you haven't checked out our PeerTube instance, head over to jupiter.tube. You can see how we make some of our podcasts. Just not this year's show. That's top secret. Don't worry, though. It's top secret in the back end. But only until next week when we'll be back with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week.